Welcome to the Harbor Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information, visit us online at www.theharborli.com. Tonight, I, I've entitled this, this talk, which is not going to go long. Don't take it personal. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't take it personal. Don't take it personal. This is a, a little bit of a, of a follow-up off of last week, and uh, let me just say this. If you're here and you weren't able to be with us last week, um, you know, last week's message was really, uh, it was talking about this idea in John 14 where Jesus says these words. He says, let not your heart be troubled. And we were, we were talking about how that sounds so nice, but that's just such a hard thing to really grasp when you're, when you're struggling with anxiety, when you're struggling with depression, when you're going through discouragement, or when you have doubts that are just, they've infiltrated your heart and your beliefs, and, and it's just so hard. And we, we actually looked at practical things that we can do to not allow our hearts to be troubled. And so if you're struggling in one of those areas, you got to go listen to the message last week or share it with somebody that you know. Um, but... This week's uh, talk is a little bit of a follow-up off of last week. Last week I was sharing a little bit about a season that I've been going through, and, and so to be completely honest with you, this is the follow-up of what I felt like God has continued to speak to me uh, this week. And, and I believe that it is going to encourage a lot of people because I've been blown away with how many people were affected by last Hello, there we go. Could just relate to those things. And so uh, I'm so glad. Hello. So glad that you are uh, that you're here tonight. Uh, we were we were reading a verse in Second Corinthians last week, where uh, in chapter ten, where Paul is talking about this idea of saying, even though you you live and you walk in the flesh, that there's so much there's so many more things that are at play than what you actually see with your physical eye. That there's this whole realm of the supernatural, of the spiritual that's happening all around you. And so he's basically saying, even though you walk by what you see, we don't wage war by those things. Because we understand that there are principalities and and strongholds and dominions that are at work because your life actually has eternal purpose behind it. You have destiny to your life. We, We say this all the time here, but you know, the... The enemy doesn't really need you strung out in some alley, homeless, with nothing to show for it, and, and, and just your life in the... T- if the enemy could just keep you distracted from ever pursuing your God-given destiny and purpose, then he's cool with that. But God has given your life eternal meaning, eternal purpose. You, God doesn't just save you. Jesus doesn't just save you, but then he allows you to be part of the plan of salvation. He allows you to bring hope to a lost world, to hopeless people. It's incredible. Absolutely, absolutely incredible. And as I've been walking through some of these things that we, we talked about last week, and as I've been going through a little bit of a season of, of discouragement, I've had people kind of speak into my life, which has been awesome, but I've been feeling these last uh, couple of weeks like God has begun to, to speak some things to me, and I felt like he challenged me a little bit by saying, do you really think that if you start to pursue this destiny and you start to pursue this purpose, that the enemy is just going to roll over and allow you to bring freedom to people who've been in bondage? Do you think the enemy is just going to allow you to help bring salvation to people that are hopeless and people that are lost? And I felt like God has been slowly speaking to me, saying, listen, if you want your life to be a part of advancing my kingdom, you don't need to accept opposition, but you need to get used to it. Because if your life is doing something, 
Because if you're pursuing my calling for your life, if you're pursuing the destiny that I've set for you, opposition will always be tied to it because you're a threat to the enemy. Because your life is counting for something and not just for what you see, but this eternal, incredible value that God has placed on your life and this calling that he has for you and I. I want to share with you this really quick story tonight. It's not long at all, but it's just, it's amazing. And it encouraged me so much this week in Acts chapter 5. And I want to give you a little context. This is, this is after Jesus rose back to heaven. And uh, this is after the upper room experience where the disciples, all the, they were all gathered in, in the room and the Holy Spirit fell and tongues of fire. And the apostles now are starting to preach and they're starting this earthly ministry without Jesus now, but with the Holy Spirit. And you start to read in chapter 5 how the church just begins to blow up blow up. It actually says that people were coming to the faith. People were coming to salvation more than ever before. Unlike anything that the world had ever seen, people were just turning their lives over to God. And, and people, when they would hear that the apostles were in town, they were bringing all of the sick out to the streets to the point where they would even bring them uh, on their cots or their mats. They would lay them on the street because even when Peter was walking by, the shadow of Peter, if the shadow just touched these people, people were getting healed. That's how strong God was moving at this time. Absolutely unreal, unbelievable, things that we would dream about. Incredible. Well, right in the midst of all of this happening, right in the midst of, of this revival that's, that's occurring in the early church, in verse 17 of chapter 5 in Acts, it says, But the high priest, he rose up, and all who were with him, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles, and they put them in public prison. They put them in public prison. How sad of a picture is this, that as the apostles are preaching the good news of who Jesus is and what Jesus had done and the salvation that Jesus was offering, that the religious leaders of the time were so jealous, they were so angry, they hated this message of Jesus so much that the high priest rose up with all of the other religious leaders. They arrested the apostles in public and they put them in a public prison, a prison that would have been at the center of the town, the center of the city where everyone could see, everyone knew what was going on, everyone knew the charges that were brought against these guys. You know, what's, what's so sad is that these religious leaders, they were more jealous of the, the public influence that the apostles had than the, the relationship with God that the apostles had. These, these religious leaders, they didn't make the connection that the impact that they were seeing in public was actually a result of this relationship that had been established in private with these apostles and with Jesus. And so instead of them being inspired to get closer to God themselves, they were jealous of the influence that the apostles had, so they tried to discredit and tear down the apostles. So they do it publicly. They make it known. They're going after their reputation. They're going after their name. Now, don't be discouraged. If you are advancing God's kingdom, if you are making a difference, if you are starting to pursue the calling and the purpose that God has for you, if even church people from time to time will try to discredit you or try to attack you. You know, we're all human. And there are times where it's almost easier to be jealous of the impact or the calling that God has on someone's life instead of valuing the relationship that someone actually has with God, the intimacy that someone has with God. So they put them in public prison. You know, 
the enemy will try to distract you, but if he can't distract you from this and you start to pursue this, he's going to try to get you to stop talking. And if the enemy can't get you to stop talking about God and to stop spreading this message of Jesus, well, then he'll turn to trying to discredit you or disqualify you so that if you won't stop talking, maybe people will stop listening. And if he's not working on other people discrediting you, maybe he'll use you to try to discredit yourself. Maybe he'll, he'll use you to try to convince yourself that you aren't qualified, that you shouldn't be saying these things. He'll try to use shame and he'll try to use hypocrisy and all these things that he'll throw at you, doubt, to say you, you shouldn't be speaking, you shouldn't be saying these things. But he'll go after your voice. You see in verse 19 it says, but... During the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and they began to preach. This is pretty cool. The angel of the Lord shows up in the middle of the night, opens the prison doors, and then instructs them Go preach in the temple. Now, by these apostles listening to what the angel says, and they, they're obedient, and at daybreak in the morning, first thing in the morning, they go to the temple to start preaching the very message that got them arrested to begin with. You know, the morning is when the temple would have been the most crowded because people would start lining up to make their sacrifice for the morning. And check out the meaning behind it, that as people are in line to sacrifice an animal that morning, that the, the apostles are now preaching words of life to them, saying, listen, there's one who already came who gave his life that eternal sacrifice, that died so that you never have to do this again. He died so that once and for all your sins are forgiven, that his blood covers you. How amazing that in the middle of the night they're freed and they're instructed to go at daybreak. So the angel of the Lord, when he shows up, there's no pep talk. There's no convincing. He frees them, and then he says, hey, go keep talking. They were freed for one reason, to go keep teaching about Jesus. Go keep telling people about Jesus. Tell people about this life. Tell, tell people about what Jesus has, has done for you. There was no public vindication there, there was no big spectacle because it was done in the daytime. They were arrested in the daytime, and they were placed in a public prison. There was no public vindication. There was no hearing where the disciples were, were all of a sudden, or the apostles able to, to clear their name and clear the air and feel good about what had just happened. It was in the middle of the night with the sole purpose of being, hey, go, continue to preach about me. Continue to, to teach about what Jesus has done. You see, the attack to begin with, their imprisonment to begin with, was not about the apostles. And the breakthrough, their freedom from prison, was not about the apostles. The attack to begin with and the breakthrough to follow was all about the word of what Jesus had done getting out to the world, getting out to the community. And the apostles made the decision to not take it personal. Say, so don't take it personal. They didn't take it personal. I struggle with 
choosing to not take attacks personal, with, with not making them about me. And the problem with that is, is that when I make the attack about me, then I need the breakthrough to be about me. The breakthrough that I begin to seek, the relief that I begin to seek is self-serving and, and it's not God-serving. You know, as I, I shared last week about some struggles that I've been going through over these last couple months and just this, this kind of place of discouragement that I've been walking through and how I, some things have caused confusion for me. You know, for two months I, I've been praying for relief from that and, and, and breakthrough from that because I was sick of being there and I was sick of going through that. But I've been so blown away, so overwhelmed in the last eight days. How many people have reached out to say, I have been struggling with anxiety and I've told no one. I've been in such a deep depression and I didn't want to admit it to myself, but I needed to hear that. I've had a couple pastors reach out and say, I'm going through the same exact thing and I haven't told anybody. I didn't know who to talk to. And it just reminded me and opened my eyes that this, has, this is not about me. This attack is not about me. And the breakthrough is not about me. But God can even use those seasons and those times of life where I feel crushed, where I feel disqualified, where I feel discredited to even further his message all the more. Isn't it so amazing that as these apostles, they're imprisoned for doing what they were called to do in a season of life where they were just starting to see everything happen that Jesus had been speaking about, that you don't read about them sitting in this prison with all this confusion and whining and moaning to each other and praying, God, we thought that we were doing what you asked us to do. We thought that we were walking in our calling, and, and, and now this happened. God, you need to free us. God, we need the breakthrough. God, this isn't fair. God, I don't understand why this is happening. You don't read any of that. And if you read the epistles, you, don't, you realize that Paul never focuses on that. And you can see that their heart was not taking it personal because when the angel shows up and brings freedom and says, now go and do it again, there's no rebuttal from the apostles. They go at daybreak and they do it again. They weren't worried about their name being cleared in public they were worried about being obedient to what God had spoken to them in private. Listen, let me tell you something. If it was me and an angel freed me, I think I'd be like, excuse me, I was doing that, and then I got arrested. And now we have a whole city of people thinking that I did something wrong. And so I'm not taking another step or I'm not, until we make things right. H how am I supposed to be obedient and to keep preaching about you when all these people think that I did something wrong? Because I would be taking it personal. But the apostles were like, all right, we'll keep going. Because it wasn't about us to begin with when we got arrested. It was about the message. And now that we're getting the breakthrough, it's not about us being vindicated. It's about the message. See, this crazy thing happens. When, when you don't assume the role of being your own defender, God does without you even asking. I felt like God reminded me of something this week. He said, hey... People who have a Savior should never feel the need to save themselves. I felt like God saying, you need to fight the urge to give in to that need you feel to be your own defender, to be your own provision, to be your own protection, to be your own encouragement. You be obedient to what I'm asking you to do. You be obedient to what I'm calling you to do. Don't make it about you. It's not about you, and I got you. 
I'm your savior. I did it once and I'll keep doing it. I have your back. So they're obedient. They go and they start preaching at daybreak. Nice timing. And you see that the religious leaders, they get so bent out of shape again. I mean, they are angry does not, it, they are furious, furious. They're like, we just arrested these guys. Somehow they got freed. Now they're preaching again. And so they, they get them again. They arrest them again. They bring them before the council. And you start to see the conversation that's happening behind closed doors. And, and most of the religious leaders wanted to kill them. That, I mean, that's how much they hated Jesus. That's how much they hated the message of Jesus. They wanted to kill him. And a voice of reason in the group with a little common sense said, um, they just got freed from prison in the middle of the night. If there's something to this and we kill these guys, there could be a revolt. People could turn on us. Maybe, maybe we shouldn't kill them. So what they agreed to do is they say, fine, we won't kill them, but we're just going to beat the tar out of them. We're going to beat them to a bloody pulp, and we're going to threaten them. Don't you ever teach or preach about the name of Jesus again. We don't want this message here. It's not welcome here. And that let this, allow this beating, allow this attack on your physical body to be a reminder, don't you ever preach this name again. So after they were beaten to a bloody pulp, verse 41 says, then they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day, someone say every day, in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Christ is Jesus. I want to give you an illustration to help clear this up, maybe, for some of you who are lagging a little bit. I had a friend in college, and uh, I love this guy, even, even to today. And he was one of those gems that uh, he found it funny to annoy you. You know those people in your life where they get a kick out of getting a reaction out of you? He was one of those guys, and he was really good at it. He had, like, a whole arsenal of things that he would try to, and it was, like, personalized to each person. You know, like, he, he was good at what he did. And so he thought it, he just got a kick out of getting a reaction out of people. So I kind of realized after the first couple of weeks, this is his MO. This is what he does. And so when he would start to do it with me, I'm like, it's not going to work. I know what you're doing, right? I had this other buddy, though, who just w he, he couldn't let it roll off his back. And he'd give in to it every time. And I remember having conversations with him like, listen, he does this to get a reaction out of you. He, he wants you to react. He wants you to overreact. You got to just, you got to just be like, man, I'm on to you. I know what you're doing. It's not going to work. And if you do that, he'll go on to someone else. But he never could. I mean, they even got into it in a dorm room one. It was crazy. But I would always tell him, you just got to tell him, I'm on to you. I know what you're doing. This is the moment, I, I think, that, that the apostles made the decision to say, you know what, enemy, I'm on to you. I know what you're doing. You just showed your hand. You just made it real clear. They counted it, they, they rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus. I believe this is the moment where they said, we are making an impact for the kingdom of God. Check this out. Everything that Jesus had spoken over us, everything that Jesus had asked us to do, Jesus even saying, you're going to see greater things than even the things you've seen with me. We are, this is, this is working. This is happening. Jesus is healing people. God is saving people. 
we're carrying this name to people who need it. And they knew that because opposition was coming their way. It validated where they were headed. I believe that there is a shift that happens inside. When you stop being concerned about the threats that are headed your way and you realize that you are the threat. Someone needs to hear this tonight. You're living life dodging attacks and you're living life just trying to avoid pain and avoid hurt. And you're discouraged when it comes. But there is a shift that happens in your soul. There's a shift that happens in your perspective when you start to realize these attacks are not just bad luck. This is not just coincidence. This is not just because the world just has it out for you. No, no, no. The world has it out for you because your life is making a difference. Because there is a heavenly calling on your life. There is a destiny and a purpose that you are supposed to walk through. You are supposed to walk out and you are supposed to affect and impact everyone around you. This isn't about the threats that are coming my way. This is the fact that I'm a threat to the enemy. That the same spirit that raised Jesus back to life lives in me and desires to use me to impact the world around me. Instead of living life with the goal of avoiding threats, we need to live life with the idea that I'm the threat. And so the goal of my life is I'm going to advance this gospel all the more. There is something that rises up in me when I start to realize Whoa, 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 these attacks are actually just mere attempts of the enemy to get me to stop talking. Th these attacks are just about me to discredit or disqualify myself. Okay, enemy, I'm on to you. And so if that's what you're trying to do, if that's what you want to do to me, I'm going to double down and I'm going to talk all the louder. I'm going to talk all the longer. Because obviously something is happening. Obviously this is making a difference. Obviously God is working through my life. Not just in me, but he's working through me. Every day, everywhere they went, not just in the temple, not just in the church, from house to house, they did not stop. They did not cease teaching and preaching that Christ is Jesus. I want to make the choice to say, I will not stop. I will not cease. When attacks come, that's going to validate that I'm headed in the right direction. So I'm going to make the decision, I will not stop. And it's going to be every day, and it's going to be everywhere that I'm going to carry this message all the more. I'm going to invite the band to come back up as I, I begin to wrap this up. You know, the last thing that, that, that just really spoke to me in this story this week is that, you know, in thinking about this idea that they were rejoicing, in these circumstances. I was so convicted because, you know, so many times my dreams, and I'm sure you could relate, our dreams, even, even if they're coming from a good place, from a pure heart, if I have dreams of bringing God honor, bringing God glory, bringing God fame, naturally, I always really enjoy it in my dream. I always really enjoy the process of that in my dream. Honestly, a lot of times, the things that I dream that bring God honor happen to actually probably bring honor to me too. But in this story, the apostles rejoiced in dishonor for the name of Jesus. 
And as I was praying about that this week, I'm like, man, how do you get to that point? That, 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 that's pretty wild. That's pretty crazy. Why, why were they able to rejoice in the attack? They were able to rejoice in dishonor for the name of Jesus. And I believe the reason why is because these men who spent more time with Jesus than anybody, these men who were entrusted with bringing the gospel to the rest of the world, these men who Jesus spent years with speaking life into and training and discipling and equipping, these men who walked with Jesus saw firsthand that to be more like Jesus includes way more dishonor than it does honor. Jesus completely accepted the fact that it was going to be his own dishonor that brought honor to the Father. You see in the garden, you see the humanity of Jesus saying, God, I don't want to do this, but I don't want my will, I want yours. And so even if I don't want to do this, I will willingly submit to this if it's your will. I will willingly submit to dishonor if it's going to bring you more honor. If it's going to bring you more glory, then let it be. And can I tell you something? It was the way that Jesus handled dishonor that makes the gospel stick out more than any other. You know, it's this insanely supernatural, grace-filled ability that Jesus has as he's being crucified and beaten and tortured to actually throw up a prayer to his father and say, Father, forgive these men that are driving spikes through my hands and that are stabbing me in the side, that are whipping my back until the flesh rips off. Forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Forgive them because I still love them. Because I, I'm dying for them. God, forgive them. It was the way that Jesus submitted to dishonor that sets the gospel apart. It is the way that you and I handle attacks. It's the way that we rejoice in struggle that sets our life apart. That sets the message of my life apart. And I believe that I can bring more honor to God in the way that I handle life's toughest moments than life's best moments. I believe that me making the decision to say, I'm going to rejoice when the attacks come. I'm going to believe and I'm going to stand firm and I'm going to stand tall and I'm going to say, we must be headed in the right direction. If we're considered a threat and the enemy thinks it's worth sending some resources my way, we must be doing something right. That's going to show people this isn't just this uh, prosperity gospel. This isn't just, hey, accept God into your life and everything goes per No, 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 no. This is the reality. This is the realness that life is going to hurt sometimes, but there will always be purpose behind the pain, that the goodness and the faithfulness of God is there when life is going great, and it's there. It's even more prevalent when, when life hurts and when life is going bad. And God doesn't just work through perfect people or people who are experiencing success or people who are prominent or people who are in seats of power. But, but he works through anyone and everyone that's willing to turn their life over to him and say, Jesus, I messed up. Jesus, I've made a mess of things, but I need you. I'm giving my life to you. I ask for you to come in, for you to clean me out. And God, if you could use a person like me, then I'm willing to be used by you. That God, your honor and your glory, your fame, your reputation, your name is so much more important than mine. And so use me how you want. I'm going to rejoice if you bring honor, and I'm going to rejoice if I go through dishonor. Because either way, I'm bringing you more glory. Jesus says in John 15, a chapter after what we went through last week, he says, remember, when the unbelieving world hates you, they first hated me. 
If you were to give your allegiance to the world, they would love you and welcome you as one of their own. But because you won't align yourself with the values of this world, they will hate you. I have chosen you and taken you out of the world to be mine. And I will send you the divine encourager from the very presence of my Father. He will come to you, the spirit of truth emanating from the Father, and he will speak to you about me. And you will tell everyone the truth about me, for you have walked with me from the start. As I've been struggling a little bit these last few weeks, I've had closest friends, family, you know, speaking words of encouragement to me. But have you ever gone through a season where you're so conflicted that even somebody pointing out good things in your life doesn't help? That you're like, I appreciate what you're trying to do. I really do. But it just doesn't feel any better. You know, I, I, I've been just praying, God, give me peace. Like, God, I'll, I'll, I'll continue to do whatever you want me to do. I'll do something different if you want. Whatever you want. I just need peace. I just need peace. As as God brought this scripture to me this week, and and as I'm reading these words, divine, from God, divine encouragement, I'm like, that's it. I mean, as nice as encouragement can be from people around you, God, I need your encouragement. I need your life. I need your perfect peace like we talked about last week. That's it. That's all I need. And Jesus is promising I'm going to leave you the divine encourager, and when he does it, you won't help but be able to speak about the truth about me. You won't be able to, it's just going to be on your lips, it's going to be on your mouth, because it's so real to you. He is such a present help in times of trouble, in times of stress, in times of anxiety and depression and weakness and doubt and confusion and frustration. I want to ask you to stand tonight. And we got a, an amazing team of people that are in the back, our prayer team, that they come, they show up every week with the goal of, I hope I get to encourage somebody tonight. I hope I get to speak life into someone tonight. I hope I can listen to someone and pray for them, lay hands on them tonight. If you're here and maybe there's something we touched on tonight that resonates with you, as soon as we start this song, you can just make your way back. They're standing against that gate in the back. They, they'd love to pray with you. Maybe you're stressed or anxious about something that has nothing to do with what we talked about tonight. You just need prayer. You just need someone to hug you. You just need someone to listen to you. As soon as we start the song, you can head back. But I want, I want to ask you tonight, if there's anybody here that you're like, man, I need to just make the choice. I just need to be resolute. I just need to make the decision to say, I'm the threat. I'm not going to make this about me. This is all about what Jesus has done for me. And this is all about what Jesus has called me to do. So I'm not going to take it personal. I'm just going to keep doing what God has called me to do. But in order to do that, I need some encouragement. I need some peace. I need the divine encourager to flood my heart tonight. If you're here tonight and you could just be so honest to say, I could use the encouragement. I could use the peace tonight. Can you mind raising a hand? Can I pray for you tonight? Jesus, we thank you so much. God, we thank you that you don't just save us, but you involve us in your incredible plan of salvation. God, we thank you for the honor and the privilege that it is to carry your name to lost, hurting, broken people just like us. God, I pray, Lord, for every person who's in the house tonight, Lord, who's struggling, every person who is hurting, every person who is broken, every person who maybe is searching and doesn't even know it. 
God, I pray, Lord, that your divine encouragement would flood their hearts tonight. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are our comforter, that you are our strength. I pray, Lord, that you would be felt more real tonight than ever before. God, we pray for areas of doubt and confusion, that there will be complete clarity in this moment. God, people doubting their calling, people doubting their destiny, people doubting their purpose in life. God, we pray for complete clarity in Jesus' name tonight that you have called them to be a threat, that you have called them to eternal matters. God, I pray, Lord, that if we ever fall into the trap of living for just what we see, of, of being comfortable with being distracted by what the world has to offer, that we would be reminded every day and everywhere that we go that my life is all about making you known to everyone around me, God, to, to everyone in my workplace, to everyone in my family, to everyone in my friend group. God, we pray, Lord, that you would use us to impact this world and this community like never before. Come on, begin to sing this out tonight. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you would like to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus today, visit us online at www.theharborli.com backslash next step.